Harper Academic Calling, Kaz Freer. Kaz Freer, who first joined us for a Facebook Live in December 2018 to talk about her debut novel, Sweet Little Lies, returns to Harper Academic Calling to talk with us about her latest novel, Shed No Tears. Well, sort of. The plot of Shed No Tears revolves around a cold case, opening with DC Kat Kinsella and her partner DS Luigi Parnell in a field in Cambridgeshire, where a body has been discovered. But it's not as simple, or as unconnected, as that. In trying to describe the plot, you quickly get in the weeds of perhaps letting something slip that you shouldn't. So, I'll simply say, that dead body leads Kat and Parnell to a cold case, which then reveals a larger plot of secrets and corruption. To know more, you'll simply have to read the book. What I love about Kaz's writing is how thoroughly believable her cast of detectives and Kate Steele's murder squad is. And while there is one question we talk about that hints a bit at plot, we talk more about writing process and what it's like to take a cast of characters in a police procedural through several books in a series. Hopefully, for faculty and students interested in police procedural creative writing, or in any sort of series writing, they'll benefit from Kaz's discussion of her writing process. It was wonderful to have Kaz back on the podcast, and we appreciate her taking part of her evening to talk with us. And as it was over Zoom in this still virtual world, I also really just appreciated seeing another person. Shed No Tears is available now in hardcover, ebook, and audiobook from Harper Books. All right, so joining us today, we have Kaz Freer, author of the latest book, Shed No Tears. Kaz, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Merry Christmas. And, too early to say that. and Merry Christmas to you too. Um, so I guess we'll start out by telling everyone that we are going to try very hard to talk around the plot of this book because <laughs> this is a very difficult book to talk about and not spoil. But in the interest of Christmas spirit, we won't ruin it for anybody. Or we'll try very hard not to ruin it for anybody. But it was definitely an interesting exercise for me to come up with questions to ask you to talk about this book without talking about this book. So thank you for playing along with with (laughs) that. Um, So this is the third book featuring Kat Kinsella, who I love, uh, and the team of Kate Steele in Murder Investigation. Given that this is the third book uh, in the Kat Kinsella series, what sorts of things changed in your writing process approaching this book? How much and in what ways did you want Kat particularly to grow as a person and as a cop in Shed No Tears? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's the, the third in the series. Um, and I have, in each of the books, I have sort of grounded them in real time. So there is a little bit in Shed No Tears where I talk about Brexit. And so I'm always quite aware of the dates and aware of Kat's age, I suppose, um, and so when we met her in Sweet Little Lies, she was, ooh, she was 26, I think, <laughs> I think. Um, and it, it was a very conscious decision to make her a young detective in the police force for a couple of reasons. Um, firstly, because it's kind of the young lower ranks that do all the work or do all the interesting work that you would want to read about in a crime novel, not the sort of the man management stuff. Um, And also I just wanted to leave lots of room for her to grow, I suppose. I know know I've listened to um, quite a few interviews with Ian Rankin. Have you read any of his Rebus novels? And, you know, he's he's sort of said a few times, like, I have no idea how old he is now. He's, He's probably like, you know, 
got one foot in the grave he's that old and that he just doesn't allude to it too much so I knew writing a series I wanted to give her that that space to grow but also I think that when I look back to my late 20s I think that is a, a real time of growth you're not the kind of she, she's been in she's been in murder for four years now she's been with the met for six years because in the uk you have to do a couple of years of a year 18 months training before you get put onto a, a murder team um so she's not exactly that wet behind the ears character anymore and i definitely wanted to show that in shed no tears because i think that's that can be the difficulty with a series character you sort of know what readers like about the character but you can't just churn the same issues out over and over again even though there are and we'll probably talk about this there are issues with her family that haven't gone away and may never fully go away she can't be in the same she can't be sort of throwing out the same angst about the same issues so really she sort of has to to grow emotionally um and in terms of the writing process Again, I think when you write a series, you have to, you could argue this for, for any novel, for standalone novels too, but I think when you write a series, you have to be really conscious of um, character and plot, mm-hmm. and you can't just sort of approach each novel with, okay, there's a murder and it's solved, and you know they all love live unhappily ever after. Even though that does happen, I think you have to take a slightly different um, slant. So Sweet Little Lies was very much um, about Kat believing that her father was linked to the crime that she was involved in. Stone Cold Heart was very much a sort of a real close-up look at a very dysfunctional, toxic marriage. And then we come to Shed No Tears, and it was a case of, right, what can I do that's completely different? Mm-hmm. I'll do a cold case. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that really, really was the thinking. It, you know, what what is going to feel, what's going to be interesting for me to write, but I guess linked to the question about how Kat grows, what's going to be interesting for her? What hasn't she tackled before? Um, and I think, as she says quite early on in, in the book, that it's her first... You know, it's her first cold case and they're completely different kettle of fish the way that you investigate them. Yeah, yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about the... <laughs> let's talk around the plot a little bit because as, you, <laughs> as you've just said, the plot of Shed No Tears revolves around this discovery of a set of remains of a woman who was assumed to be the victim of a serial killer uh, six years after the crime was committed. So there is that distancing in time and, and space between the crime and the discovery of the remains. So how how does that help you plot the story? Do you feel like you get a little bit more freedom of exploration for not just Kat, but for everybody else on the squad too? Yeah, because it is, you know, when you're writing any sort of thriller, whether it's a police procedural or, you know, whatever else sits under that umbrella, you've obviously got to be... um, you've got to be conscious of pace but there is something about a cold case where you know the killer and particularly and I don't think I'm giving too much away in this the killer has been caught shall we say yep we could say that yep <laughs> um uh, the 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 victim has been dead for six years you know without being too blunt there is an element of when you've got a huge caseload well she's been dead for six years if she's dead for six years and one week it's not the end and that's basically how police investigation works um so it, it 
it allows them, I suppose, to work at a slightly different tempo to maybe sort of the the, the frantic stone cold heart and sweet little eyes. You know, the, the the body was in the morgue for the entire investigation. This is this is obviously a very um, different type of case. And also, I think the way that you and the way that Cat and the way that the team kind of um, connect with the victim is very different. Um, and you know, Cat again quite soon into the novel sort of says she's struggling a little bit because it's um the the novel opens with them in a field in cambridgeshire um and they're looking at a set of bones they're not looking at that sort of you know that that body they can't smell that person's perfume they're not they're not looking at a life Mm -hmm. which obviously produces that, that that huge emotion raw emotion um so it's it's kind of new for them in the sense that you're trying to find something else that that makes you have that emotional connection to the victim um in this case as well a lot of the victim's family have, have died or again i'm not giving any anything a massive plot, plot point or whether um or have moved away so you don't necessarily have that family that are constantly seeking for answers so it, it all sort of comes down to kate Steele and the team to be the people who care about this victim because as, as you quite quickly find out nobody else does particularly and there are reasons for this which come out later in the novel but yeah, I think with so much going on as usual in Kat's personal life, it did give me a little bit more room to breathe. Um, in the first half of the novel, I think as things start to get a bit more sticky, um, and certainly towards the end, I would say, I just remember writing it and feeling that it felt quite different. Um, it was a bit more action-based than perhaps the other two. Um, there's a bit more, you know, cat flying upstairs and I hadn't really done that sort of Jack Reacher. <laughs> it's very Jack Reacher light, I have to say. But I, I hadn't really done that. It's, the denouement in the, the first two in the series is probably more, you know, the interrogation room and the cat and mouse and trying to, to sort of back suspects into a corner. Whereas, yeah, this was a little bit more action packed towards the end. And I think it probably needed it uh, because you... You know, you you have that sort of slower pace into the cold case, but as they start digging, things become more urgent. And it's a really it's a it's a real team effort because when when we sell books that are part of any kind of series, really, right? They're, they're typically the shorthand they're identified with is usually the protagonist. So in a in a police procedural, it will be you know, Cat Kinsella number three, right? But one of the things that always struck me about all of your books so far is they are a series. They all can also be read out of order. I don't think you need to necessarily read them in order, but also the team. I I think I remain incredibly impressed by the ability of this unit to appear on the page to readers as a unit. You have a bunch of different personalities who come across as real people and who function as a whole organism. So was there anything different in how you had to approach the unit dynamic, thinking about, you know, Kate Steele and her team um, and sort of the people that we see, maybe not necessarily in the background because they sort of each take their each take their turns. But was there any way that you dealt with the group dynamic a bit differently this time around? Um, I mean, I guess over the 
course of the three books, all their personalities are, are slowly developing. So it, in terms of sort of consciously approaching, probably not. I think I've just got, I've got to know the characters a lot better. Um, and it's funny when you're right, when I'm writing a scene sometimes, I'll, you know, particularly probably with the slightly, you know, maybe the more humorous lines, I'll think, I'll write it, and Kat's saying it, and then suddenly I think, that's not, no, 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 that's a Parnell line. And so I think I've just got to know them as people. But it's re- the team element is really, really important to me because I write in the first person present tense, and it's quite an intense ride for a reader, I think, to be in the mind of Kat Kinsella or any first person present tense protagonist it, it's quite a um, it's quite a journey to ask a reader to go on so I think you need to have real people around her who don't just feel like props who actually do take the spotlight now and again I mean certainly Parnell and Steele are two of the main characters so they definitely do get the spotlight but I think yeah, you, you need to see her relationships with them and how they act to them and for them to, to you know, just, like you said, just kind of feel real. Um, and, you know, when I think about particularly, I suppose, the women in that team, Kat is, you know, sort of the young, I don't want to say maverick because that's the cliche, but I suppose if we were going to put her in some sort of box, she is the young maverick. Um You've got Steele, who's kind of the, the the superstar steadying hand. And then you've got Rene, who is incredibly competent, incredibly well-respected, but very, very open about the fact that she's not that ambitious. She's just really, really good at her job. She's actually, the, you know, she's got 20 years on Cat, and she's the same rank as her, even though Cat would look up to her and, you know, sort of... Um, really values her experience um, and those type of people exist in, te- in teams and I think you know I'd always said about Kat and I've, I've said this so many times that I always wanted her to be a bit of an every woman not this super cop and I think that needs to be across the team as well they need to feel like people who work in an insurance office or you know head office of a marketing company you know those they do an extraordinary job but they are just people at the end of the day who, you know, didn't sleep well last night and are a bit ratty and, you know, you didn't make their tea correctly and their football team lost last night. And that sort of thing is really important to me because it's, you know, I've worked in three or four different companies before I wrote full time. Um, and I lived in London, which was which I wasn't brought up in London. And those kind of, the, the team around you become your family and you bicker and you fall out and you make up and you have each other's back um and I think and it works really well in some series but I think I'd seen enough of that sort of very very kind of overt sexism done in other series Mm -hmm. and I kind of wanted to do something a little bit different in the sense that everybody within well you've got steel heading it up so that wouldn't be tolerated anyway but um, I think Kat is really well respected within her team, probably patronised a little bit from some of maybe the older guys in the team, but they know she's good. And I think, yeah, I just want them to, 
I think I want people to know that they all like each other. I didn't want that. There's so much confrontation in Kat's life with her family. She doesn't necessarily need to be coming into work and be sort of fighting, be fighting with her colleagues. Yeah. This question might get us into sticky plot plot discussions. So we can right. we can talk we can talk around as much of this as we can. So there are multiple plot lines obviously that stretch across this book that range sort of from the the personal part we have the relationship sort of the evolving relationship between Kat and her father. There is mention of uh, and of course, Kat and her sister. There is mention of her brother, who is who is currently absent uh, in this in this book, but might be coming back eventually. Uh, there's Kat and Aiden, of course, and then there's the crime itself that finds us in that field in Cambridgeshire in the beginning, and then there's what I will only describe for the purposes of this podcast as something slightly bigger than that. That is bad. It might be a chicken. It might be a chicken or egg, which is fine if that's if if that's the answer, but. When you started this particular book, did you know that you wanted to talk about a cold case and see where it got you? Or did you sort of have in your head that that bigger bad bit as that's the thing that you really wanted to to get at? Yeah, it probably doesn't help me in sort of answering the question. <laughs> but no, the big issue was kind of where I started at. Oh, okay. Um, my way back so that that was kind of the right I need to phone my agent and pitch this to her I've got this this idea right um and you know it was inspired again if I talked about particularly particularly tv shows that kind of not inspired it but but you know planted the seed in my head it would probably give away okay as well but yeah I very much started with the bigger bigger picture and then worked my way back um, but then, you know, got this idea that a cold case would put a whole different slant on a Cat Kinsella book. Okay. Then. Well, if you want to know, if you want to know what the, what the bigger bit is, you just, you just have to read the book. <laughs> so to get back to the things that we can talk about on the final version of this. So what advice do you have for folks who want to write police procedurals? Because there are plenty of people who want to write loads of different things. And I feel like there are lots of places to find advice for people who wanted to get into memoir or fiction writing or poetry or whatever. But if you're, if you just start out sort of knowing that you want to develop, you know, a multi-series of however long, what kinds of things do you, you know, now that maybe you wish you knew when you started or what just sort of advice would you give for somebody who wants to have that kind of undertaking? Gosh, I mean, I think... But this this would be because this would be a very sort of you know personal thing for me because this is the detective fiction that I want to write. But I think you need if, if you're thinking I want to write in the procedural space, I think the main character needs to literally just be there. And you know, yes, plot is important, but I think character is what makes readers stay with the series because you know I've said here oh I wanted to do a cold case and I wanted to do a toxic marriage and yes there's always slightly different slants you can take or very different slants but essentially you know there will be a murder and this will happen and this will happen and it will probably 
70 to 90% get resolved at the end. You sort of, you know, there are only so many plots, I suppose, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to say. And it's characters that always um, bring you back. I remember talking to, um, at a crime fiction festival, talking to another editor who um, worked on quite a lot of detective fiction. And she was saying over her career, whenever, whenever they were sort of considering whether to carry on with a series, and talking to an author about whether to, to, to carry on with the series. Obviously, you can't just write for reviewers, but mm -hmm. it was a case of really looking at are people by are people loving the character? Mm -hmm. Or are all the good reviews about, oh, I didn't, I never guessed the twist, or you know, that midpoint, that that midpoint twist was amazing. If it's all about the plots, it probably isn't gonna have very long legs mm -hmm. as a series because you just need to keep people wanting to come back to you know whoever basically right. there's so many so many examples so i think your character needs to be sort of not fully formed but i think you need to have a very strong sense of who they are and what's going to be a little bit different about them because that's it it is quite hard you know there is a very there's a reason why hard drinking three times divorced kind of bottle of whiskey in the drawer it's all been done to death and it's cliched but they sell and they work and there's a reason um why they work so it's trying to sort of think about taking the best traditions and and what what sort of twist you can put on it i guess right. and really i suppose give your character somewhere to go i mean i'd say readers always come back because of the the, the characters but they i guess you need to keep throwing obstacles at them in every book and you need i mean you you touched on it you need to see them grow as well you can't just have them fighting the same inner demon every single time and i guess i mean nobody knows whether they're going to write three in a series or 30 in a series i'm sure you know ian rankin or Valma derma or Anne cleves didn't set out thinking they were going to be that successful but you can sort of you can sort of paint yourself into a corner with series characters a little bit and there have been times you know when I've sort of thought and people you know people will say to me what's next for Kat and I have ideas but I can't you know you don't have that character arc mapped out for the next five books because you just don't really know in publishing but I think you know I keep I just keep coming back to this thing about character about you need to know your character go on any creative writing course and they'll do that thing where they'll say right take the central character and write 50 things of what newspaper did they read what do they have for their breakfast what you know what was their first pet called all those kind of things and 48 of those things will never make it into the text but it's just you know the character and that's kind of where i feel i am with cat now i know how she reacts to things um and that's where i guess your plots can start to get a bit more um ambitious i mean shed no tears is probably the most intricate plot of the three although i probably said that i probably said stone cold heart was the hardest at the time but um once you know the characters you know the way they speak you know the way they move you know how they interact with with the other key um characters in the book that's probably when you can start playing with plot a little bit more but I think I think but you know I'm saying that about procedural fiction I think you could say that about anything I was watching um a podcast with a comedy writer um 
Have you watched This Country? Yes. Yes. Daisy, yeah. I can't think what, Daisy May Cooper. Yes, Daisy May Cooper. Yeah, she was. She did a really helpful podcast about um, basically writing sitcoms and sort of how to get into comedy writing and stuff. Um, and she, she said exactly that. She said, when people pitch comedy ideas to me, it's always about, so it's about an office and this happens and this happens. And she just says, who is your main character? That's the reason that people will tune in. That's why people will laugh. They don't really care what scrapes you put them into. They need to be funny in any scrape, basically. And I suppose that's the same with detective fiction. People need to like Kat if she's, you know, sat on the sofa having a pizza with Aiden. They need to be rooting for her when she's on the cusp of pulling the truth out of a suspect. Um, and, you know, I'd, I would struggle to think of, and I read a lot of procedural fiction, but I'd, I'd struggle to think of a series I've stuck with where I don't really like the character. And I can sometimes do it with standalone crime. I think, well, yeah, that you're quite irritating. We wouldn't be friends in it real life, but this is a good plot. It's, you know, it's going along at a fast speed and that twist is very clever, but, you know, yeah. the character has left me cold but I think I can do that but I wouldn't be able to follow them so not what's next for Kat but what's next for you do you have anything coming up that we can know about yeah well I'm I'm writing a standalone at the moment um, which is so different (laughs) (laughs) trying to try yeah just trying to make the character not Kat but 15 years older it's trying to like park you go to bed now for a year just get out of my head for a while but yeah it's so it's a standalone about and my I really need to work on my pitch for this um (laughs) the elevator pitch it's basically about a woman who kind of not in an arrogant way but really believes that she's just one of life's good people she's you know she's always there she'll donate to charity she's always giving people lifts she says yes to everything she's just a good person the inverted commas just like one of life's good people never really done anyone any harm etc etc and then basically um gets an email from somebody who she knows very is in her very close circle basically saying I'm going to destroy your life. And because she's this good egg, she just cannot, she she genuinely can't fathom who it could be and what she's done. Um, and the book has a working title that quite possibly will change. It has a working title of, um, it's called Five Bad Deeds. Okay. And that's how the book is structured. So off, after her initial shock of, well, what could this be about? I'm just an average, lovely, not but you know I'm a decent human being she starts to sort of think about the people in her life and starts to revisit five incidents from her past where she inadvertently might have done some real damage and it was um this is about how you never know what damage you might have done unintentionally to other people well, we won't hold you to any of that, just in case any of it changes. <laughs> but it certainly does sound very exciting, and we will look forward to it. Thank you. So, Cass, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. No, it's been really nice to, to talk about the book. It's, um, when was I finishing it? Probably this Shed No Tears. Probably, probably this time last, last year. Last year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I was probably copy editing it this time last year, so... Um, 
Yeah. What a year. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a year indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Um, and we'll talk soon. Yeah. Talk All right. Soon. Bye, Kaz. Bye, 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 bye. I will. Bye-bye.